you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jonah. And I have to confess with you, to you, before I begin, here's my confession. For six months, we went through the book of Ephesians. If you know me, I'm kind of a, at some times, a controversial guy. I'm the guy who likes to run to conflict for resolution. I'm the guy, kind of guy who re- really is not passive aggressive, and I like to run two things to restore things and reconcile things. It's kind of a fun challenge for me sometimes. The book of Ephesians did just that for my soul without me knowing. As a pastor, I've been here two years and three months. It allowed me to cover topics that I thought I'd cover 20 years into my ministry. We covered topics like racism. We covered topics like sexism. We talked about abortion. We talked about distortion in the family. We talked about a lot of these things because Scripture caused us to talk about these things. We talked about the doctrine of predestination and being chosen and what does that mean. And so a lot of times I was wrestling through because I felt like Ephesians had so much meat for our congregation so that doctrinally we can be sound and know where we are aligned. We talked about Satan and spiritual warfare and what that means for the believer. Then you turn to the book of Jonah, and I have to be honest, I was guilty for this. I was reading God's word, and I felt like, you ever heard this term? It wasn't deep enough. And it's pretty crazy because it's God's word, yet I felt like it wasn't deep enough because I kept digging into Scripture looking for something that wasn't here. You ever done that? And you looking for something that wasn't being said in the text, and God stopped me as I was studying And he reminded me exactly how deep Jonah actually is. See, Jonah is not about a whale. That's not very deep, is it? Jonah is not even about Jonah and how jacked up he is. That ain't too deep, is it? No, Jonah is about this merciful God who comes to someone who's at their lowest point and nobody else can help but God. You talk about deep to understand God's love for us and the depths of his love is incomprehensible. We can't comprehend that. That's where we come to in the book of Jonah. And I want you to hear where Jonah is in chapter 2 because we left off where God appointed a well Remember, Jonah was suicidal. He jumped off the ship trying to commit suicide, but God wasn't done with him yet. So he appointed, you'll see this word several times throughout the book, he appointed a well to swallow Jonah. Now here comes Jonah in the well, and it leads us to chapter 2. What does Jonah do when there's nothing else to do? What does Jonah do when you can't go any lower than you already are in life? He does what we naturally do, that we have gone so far down, the only places to look is up. Here's what he does. This is known as Jonah's prayer. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Where did Jonah pray from? And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. This word distress means affliction. It means trouble. Remember, 
Jonah got himself in this mess himself. This wasn't because he was living right that he was in this mess. Because he was jacked up that he was in this mess. It was Jonah's sin that got him in such a place of brokenness. Now this is why this is so important to hear. Everybody in this room is a sinner. The difference between you and the person next to you is some of us are forgiven, some of us are not, but you're still a sinner. Some of us know how to cover it up better than others. But he called out from his distress, from his affliction to the Lord. And he answered me. My goodness, some of the sweetest words Jonah could have written. Listen, let me put this in perspective. Jonah running from God. Jonah being rebellious against God. Jonah disobeying God. Jonah facing his consequences from God. God is disciplining him. And what happens? God answers him out of his affliction in the midst of his consequences. Now, you may say, well, that's not a big deal. Point number one, God hears the prayers of the distressed. Well, that's not too deep. What's so big about that? I remember I was 22 years old. Up to this point, I had the theology of all I heard from Christians. I was a new Christian. Here's all I heard. They were before Christ story. You know what I'm talking about? Before Christ, boy, I used to love to drink. Before Christ, I used to smoke a little weed. Before Christ, I used to be in pornography. Before Christ, I used to steal. Before Christ, I used to lie. Before Christ, and it created this theology of God for me that God was absolutely forgiving for the stuff I did before Christ. But what about when I'm jacked up while I'm walking with Christ? How does that work out? And what it created is a culture, a culture of church where everything was swept underneath the rug because we didn't want to deal with the reality of sin. Don't come to me and talk to me about homosexuality. I don't know how to deal with that. Don't talk to me about you having an affair. Don't talk to me about your immoral issues. I don't know how to deal with that stuff. Then we come with the question, are you sure you're saved? See, I knew what it meant to receive God's grace before I was living like Satan. But I didn't know what it meant to receive God's grace while I was walking with Christ and still holding the hand of the world. What does that look like? What does that mean? Does God still want me or is he going to be like family members or ex-girlfriends or ex-friends who only love me when I'm doing well? Because I've never met somebody in my life who who loved me before, loved me during, is going to love me after my mess. What does that look like? And not to bring it back on my face when I keep messing up to shame and guilt me. What does that look like? What does it look like to take the hand of a sinner and say, you look like you're out of reach, but because I love you, I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to see your life transformed. I know what the hand of Jesus looks like now, but then I didn't know what that looked like. Here's what I did. 
I was a new Christian. I won't tell you my sin. I know some of y'all right now, if I tell you my sin and what led me to this point, you're going to judge me and you're going to send me an email and I, I'm going to forward it on to Perry. I ain't have all that. <laughs> we ain't doing all that today. You're a sinner too. Those in the chapel, I love you. You're a sinner too, chapel people. Come at me like that. It's because you're an older saint. If you're an older saint, you've sinned more than I have because you're an older saint. Old, I mean like 90 to 100. I don't, you know. 22 years old. 22 years old. I sat in my closet. I don't care if I lose my man card to some of y'all because I didn't become a man until I recognized I wasn't a man and I got on my knees and I was broken and I looked up to God. That's when I became a man when I confessed my sin. I got in my closet. Here's what I did. 22 years old, single, broke, physically and spiritually. Got on my knees after I thought I was living for God, but I was using God's name to glorify myself. And I came into my closet, closed the door, and I began crying because I was so... I felt so broken because of my sin. How dare me use God like this? I was 22. I was using God, and I thought he, he could never want me after this. He could never use me after this. And I just shed tears. My soul was empty. My soul was broken. There wasn't anything I could do to heal it myself. Nothing. And I remember, here's where I started. I'm sorry. From the depths of my soul, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I don't know if you'll ever use me again. My goodness, I'm sorry. And I got up, and I didn't know how God was going to respond, but I was so broken that it led me to look up and say, I'm sorry. I don't know if you know what that moment feels like in the depths of your soul to where Maybe somebody else's decisions put you in that place, or maybe your own decisions put you in the place, but here's the biblical concept that we can take. It doesn't matter if you put yourself in that position or somebody else puts you in that position. Look about how good God is. In my distress, he answered me. Jonah was as dirty and as sinful as he can be running from God. And this good, miraculous, merciful, loving God saw Jonah in the midst of his sin, and he answered him. Some of our theology in here is jacked up. You think God only answers you when you're doing well in life. Newsflash, you're not ever good enough for God to answer you. That is why he sent Jesus, so that you can come as dirty as you are. And the creator of the universe will hear the prayers of a sinner because of Jesus. So will he hear you? When you're in distress, even if you got yourself there, absolutely. According to this biblical principle we see in these first five verses, he will answer you. But it gets better. It gets better. It gets way better. That'll that'll mess with some of your theology, right? I thought I was supposed to be good. What is he talking about? Don't get it twisted. There are consequences for your sin. This is why this fool ended up in the well of a belly. Big dummy. Look what happens. You, you, you talk about the depths of a soul. You ever felt like this? Look, look at verse 4. It just unfolds. He's telling you how he felt. I said, I have been expelled from your sight. He felt like God was 
done with him. Done with him. And in fact, if you look up in verse 2, when he cried out from his distress, where did he cry out from? Look, look at verse 2, the end of verse 2. See that word? Sheol. Oh, this is good. Sheol. Look at your neighbor and say, Sheol. Some of y'all jacked that up. Don't worry about it. It means the same biblical concept. (laughs) This word, Sheol, 65 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament. 31 times it's used as the word hell. Now listen. 31 other times it's used as grave. Three times used as pit. Jonah is not talking about hell because when you go to hell there's no return from hell there's no escaping hell he's not talking about hell what is Jonah talking about then because scripture talks about the unrighteous experiencing Sheol and then scripture talks about the righteous experiencing Sheol depending on if it's speaking about the unrighteous or the righteous is determined based off of how this word is being used because we know Jonah is a prophet from God and we can go to chapter 4 and see how he is using this word. He is using this word from a righteous perspective, which means one of two things. He is saying that God heard him from the pit or God heard him from the grave. I want you to see the ancient Hebrew mentality of this word sheol. Look at this picture. This is how the ancient Hebrews saw the world. You see sheol right there? This is, listen, this is Jonah's heart saying, God, I feel so low. God, I feel like I'm as close as hell as you can get. God, I feel like I'm so deep and so broken because of my disobedience. I don't know if you can hear me, God. I'm so broken. This Sheol down there is what he is speaking about. That his soul feels like he is there. And I want you to see what happens. Verse 4, so I said, we know how Jonah feels. Verse 4, so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head, literally. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord. What is he doing? He is praising God. His situation, he isn't even cured, and he's praising God for who God is. God, I took my eyes off of you, your holy temple. What is so big about the holy temple? That's where God's presence resides. So he says, I'm going to look back to where you reside, God, because I took my eyes off of you, and that's where this problem started. So I'm putting my eyes back on you. And he says, now that I'm putting my eyes back on you, God... She says, God, you brought up my life from the pit, oh Lord. Second point you need to write down in those verses four through seven. Here's what's true for Jonah. 
what feels like God's rejection was God's redirection. What felt for Jonah, listen, what felt for Jonah like God was rejecting him was God's redirection. God was doing for Jonah what Jonah couldn't do for himself. If, if I'm being real, you ever had this moment before? When things don't go your way, you just complain to God? You know what I'm saying? You throw fits? You know what I'm talking about, anybody? All right, I'm not the only one in here. You start throwing fits. God, I'm a good person, God. I deserve it. Lord, I deserve the promotion, not them. I don't, I don't know how she even got married. I'm prettier than she is. God, I don't get it. I'm a faithful man of God. How do the ugly guys always get the pretty girls? God, I don't, God, 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 God. We begin to throw spiritual fits. I don't like this song, so I ain't singing. That pastor too young, I ain't come back. Do we grow some hair, grow some age, and gets taller? I ain't come back. God. And he praises God as God is redirecting him. And he doesn't even know where the well is taking him. And God is redirecting him. Here's what I love. I got four kids talking about him all the time. Every once in a while, daddy will pick up the two oldest kids from school, seven and five. And they know the way home. It's five minutes from the church to home. I pick them up. And they recognize daddy's going a different direction. And here's what I can't stand. Where are we going? Why'd you turn right? Yeah, where are we going? That's not how you go home. I'm going to go home and play with my friends. Dad, where are you going? Will you shut up? And it's just this constant nagging. And then, I I wish I'm going to record it for you and I'll show it to you one day. Then it's this. I just want to go home and play with my friends. And they just start crying. You know what I'm talking about, Mama? I see you shaking your head. Uh, You got four, too. I've seen yours. Espirito Santo. Nacho. She has sweet kids, by the way. And what they don't realize is I have picked them up to take them to Target. See, see, because Target has the end caps with all the red clearance rack prices. You know what I'm talking about? I only shop if it's red. And what daddy was going to do is, is I take him to Target. And it's interesting how this happens. They go from, where are you going? Are we at Target? <laughs> daddy, are you going to? We'll go inside, get him a toy, come back in the car. On the way home, daddy, you're the best daddy ever, daddy. <laughs> daddy, I love you, daddy. You're better than mom, dad. <laughs> I'm just playing, baby. They didn't say that. 
But it's interesting because on the whole way there, when I'm trying to do something different, yes, it's a different route. I'm taking a whole different route, one that they're not used to. A dad try to bless them in a way that I want to bless them to give them the desires of their heart because I've been watching them. And every time we go to Target, I see the toys they look at. So dad just wanted to surprise them out of the blue, not because they've been good kids, not because they've been bad kids, because dad wants to show them grace. Today, I want to love on you, so I'm going to take you a different direction. Will you stop throwing a fit and stop complaining because dad has something for you. Christian, here is the great thing about God. He may be taking you around that you wouldn't have taken yourself, but if you're faithful and if you're focusing on God, you can trust God to give you the desires of your heart when you're walking with God. But here's the key. You only want to praise after you get the gift, don't you? You see what Jonah did? I'm in the belly of the well. He just told us, verses 2, I feel like I'm in Sheol. He just got done saying this. But God, I don't care what it feels like. I'm going to look back towards your holy temple, and if you don't take me out of this mess that I put myself in, you're still God, and my eyes are still going to the holy God because you are going to bring me up out of the pit, and only you, God. Now I will praise you. I won't praise you after I have what I want. I will praise you in the midst of my circumstances. Y'all ain't ready. No. Now look, it gets better. It gets way better. Jonah's failure, his failures, was part of his path to success. See, the enemy wants us to fail and feel like we're done, like you're in Sheol. God says Genesis 50, 20, with the enemy intended for harm, God will use for good. You can't get so low that God can't hear your prayers. Sheol can't keep you from a holy God. Look what happens next. We're just going to keep unfolding these verses. This is why if you're visiting today, we're a little too crazy for you. As Brandon said, we're that obnoxious, obnoxious uncle. But if you're visiting, here's what I want to tell you. Be sure wherever you go, the unfolding of God's scripture is speaking. The unfolding of God's word is speaking. This is what's going to change lives. Now look what happens. This is so good. God is so good. Verse 8 and 9. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. I love his perspective. What is happening? The third point, God's kindness is leading him to repentance. The fact that he is tasting of God's grace is leading him to repentance. See, here's the thing. You can have confession without having repentance. And in fact, if you have confession without repentance, here's what it means, and it's why you keep confessing about the same old sin. 
Confession is admitting what you've done wrong. Repentance is turning from what you're doing wrong. Many people only confess because they are full of the sin. But when you get hungry again, you go back to the sin and you confess. But to repent is a whole different picture. God's loving kindness to this man who's rebelling says, God, I don't deserve. You ever been there? I don't deserve this, God. And because you're so good to me, I'm going to repent from whatever you want me to repent from, God. The reason why many Christians are still in the cycle of sin is because we have confession without repentance. Now, I want you to see what happens next with the unfolding of the text in verse 10. What is he doing in verse 8 and 9? Well, some scholars would say this is seen as a prayer of repentance. Saying, I am no longer going to worship vain idols like they do over there, guys. Oh, now you want to point the finger? But I will sacrifice to you, God. With the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. What is he doing? And there's many scholars that this is the prayer of repentance. I want you to see what happens after the prayer of repentance. You ready? Here is the prayer of repentance. Look at verse 10. What happens to verse 10? Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. His repentance led to his deliverance. His repentance led to his deliverance. I don't think you understand what I'm saying here. His repentance led to his deliverance. Here was the problem. You think he was excited about being out of the fish? That was secondary. What was primary is he had a spiritual problem, not a situational problem. It was a spiritual problem that he needed to be delivered from. Because when you fix the spiritual problem, the situation no longer matters. Because when you fix the spiritual, you will be strong enough walking with God to understand the situation no longer controls me. My God controls the situation. And if my God will not heal me from the situation, well, then I need a spiritual fixing. Many of you need to stop praying about your situation. You wonder why it's not getting answered because maybe God doesn't want to pull you out of the situation and he's trying to fix your spiritual and your deliverance is in your spiritual. Change your prayer. See, the real deliverance is not that he's out of a well. Right? Come on. That's not the real deliverance. The real deliverance is even though I feel like I'm in Sheol, you are my God. And I'm going to stare at your holy temple, and you are the God of salvation. You want deliverance in this place today? You want to be free from your stuff? Because like I said last time, all of us have a piece of Jonah in us. I don't care how long you've been walking with Christ. Don't act like you were too good to get your stuff out of your own mess because you're still stuck in your mess. It's only because of Christ that has poured his blood on you and sacrificed for you that you can walk in the confidence that you have. You had nothing to do with it. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. You need to know, church. Listen, I know many of you have come across across Christians who have hurt you deeply, right? Churches. Christians can be the worst 
Christian is the only army that's known for wounding their own. And it hurts when Christians hurt you, doesn't it? I know, I'm a pastor. I get it. It hurts. This is why it's unbelievably important to know that man, even at their best, is the poor representation of God. Church, I urge you, I plead with you to get into the word of God and let him speak to you. This, what I just gave you, is a little appetizer. It goes much deeper than that when you eat for yourself. I urge you, church, cut it up, dissect it, and eat it. It'll change you. Many of you want to change others. You want to change your spouse? Oh, now you want to change churches because I said you want to change your spouse? (laughs) Oh, now the word of God offended, so now you want to... You need a spiritual, not a situational. Spiritual deliverance. Where does it start? Confession and repentance. You know what he did in this text in verse 8 and 9? He acknowledged God is the God of salvation. Will you this morning... In this room, you can hear these words and still leave and not change a thing, and you'll still be stuck in the belly of a well. You still won't be freed. You have the power to confess with the strength of Jesus. You have the power to acknowledge Jesus, to acknowledge God of all salvation and receive whatever that deliverance means it looks like. You have that power through Jesus. You close your eyes and bow your head.